to another episode of In Moments Like These with David Graham. David is a speaker, author, businessman, former pastor, and founding director of Youth of a Mission, Montana. We believe that God is at work, constantly tugging at our hearts, working in and through relationship around us. Join us as we dive into a new devotional, as David shares a lifetime of personal moments and hopes to inspire you to see God the Father at work in your own moments. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of In Moments Like These. Things could have turned out a lot different, I said to myself, as my dear friend Hal Curtis and I drove south on U.S. Highway 15 through the beautiful state of Idaho in the early fall of 1976. The two of us were making a road trip to Southern California for a short time of ministry and to see my family. And it was about 30 miles north of Idaho Falls when I saw a sign indicating an upcoming turnoff for State Highway 33, a highway that led about 20 miles east to the city of Rexburg, Idaho. As we crossed over the overpass, I turned my head to the left to stare east down that narrow highway, trying to envision the place that I'd only been to one time when I was just 12 years old. Rexburg was the city where my dad was born in 1919. And while pondering that is when I said those words, things could have turned out a lot different. My life could have so easily turned out so very different than it was at that time, so very different than it is today. And here's why. My dad was born into a very renowned Mormon family. The Ricks family was known by nearly every member of the Latter-day Saints movement in Idaho and Utah. The most well-known and most written-about person in the Ricks family was my dad's great-grandfather, General Thomas Ricks. Born in 1828, he became one of the most prominent pioneers and leaders of the Mormon movement. His list of endeavors, including his military, business, and political leadership accomplishments is long. The list includes being appointed by the governor to a number of key leadership positions at the state level. And somewhere along the way, Thomas Ricks became the founder and later the mayor of the city of Ricksburg, later called Rexburg. He was also the founder of Ricks College in Rexburg, which today is known as Brigham Young University, BYU, Idaho. Thomas was also, and listen to this, he was also the husband of five wives. He was married to five wives all at the same time, and he had 43 children. Yeah. At his death in 1901, at the age of 73, Thomas Ricks had 154 grandchildren living. I can't imagine how many distant cousins I have. A couple thousand, maybe? And this was an interesting find. Joseph Smith, the founder and president of the Latter-day Saints movement, gave the eulogy at Thomas's funeral. And this is what Joseph Smith said about Thomas Ricks. Quote, It may be a long time before we find another man his equal in honor, mind, and unswerving loyalty to the cause of God and his people. End quote. 
What that means exactly, I'm not sure. Thomas did indeed seem strictly loyal to a cause. Among Thomas Ricks's 43 children was one named Joseph, Joseph Ricks. He too became an extremely successful businessman, quote, building railroads, bridges, ferries, and wagon roads, while owning much farm and ranch land, end quote. And keeping in step with his father, Joseph also became a prominent member and leader of his religious cause. Joseph only had two wives and only 14 children. One wife lived in a house on one side of the street and the other wife lived in a house across the street. My dad's mom, my grandmother, Hazel, was born to one of those wives in 1885 and she lived in one of those two houses. She was born into a renowned Mormon family and her life would surely be decided, destined for her. And one day in the future, my dad's life would most likely be decided, destined for him. And then one day further in the future, my life would most likely be decided, destined for me. One would think, one would think that the chain of events would lead to that end. The chain of events. Hmm. There are a lot of events in life that can include the negative presence, even the restriction, sometimes the total control of chains. Since the fall of man, chains have played a heavy role in the lives of mankind. We read about chains in the Bible. In fact, chains are mentioned in 17 books and 34 times in the Bible, most often in the books of Exodus, seven times, Jeremiah four times, and Isaiah three times. Here's Isaiah 58, six. Isn't this the kind of fast I've chosen? Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind these people. Remember the story of Peter in prison in Acts chapter 12 of the New Testament? The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with two chains. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Sometimes, as in the case of Peter, the chains are made of iron or steel, but the vast majority of the time, the chains are invisible to the human eye. These are chains that are mental or spiritual in nature, but they're just as restrictive and as incapacitating, just as harmful as the iron chains. And these kinds come in multiple forms. The chains that bind us most often come in the form of addictive behavior, ongoing anxiety, fearfulness, inferiority, or other negative images. Chains can come in the form of what I call religiosity, practicing religion without the life and presence of God's Spirit. Chains are anything that have a tight hold on someone, anything that hinders, that prevents someone from thriving, succeeding as God wants us to thrive and succeed. Helen and I spent that night in the early fall of 1976 in Salt Lake City, the headquarters of the Mormon Church. Early the next morning, we headed south for Southern California. And as we neared the southern border of Utah, 
to leave the state. I couldn't help but think about all the amazing things that God had done for our family since our early beginnings in Idaho. I would say that the most significant event took place in 1916, 108 years ago, when a friendly young man, a stranger from out of state, from Kansas, I believe, showed up in the town of Rexburg one summer day, searching for a new way of life out west. And not long after he arrived, he stole the heart of a young woman named Hazel, and he married her, much to the stark disapproval of Hazel's family and the entire city for that matter. Oh, wow. I think I can hear the crashing sound of a righteous hammer breaking the first link of the chain. You see, Grover Graham was a non-Mormon. On top of that, he was an agnostic. This was an absolute violation of the holy law of marriage to the folks in Rexburg. And then one day, after a few years of heavy persecution from all sides, Grover and Hazel packed up their simple belongings, loaded up their two little boys, and they moved to Southern California, to Los Angeles, to begin a brand new life. A former seemingly fixed destiny had taken a hard hit, and there it was, the second swing of the righteous hammer. One of the two little boys, the second oldest, Marvin Graham, grew up to become half Mormon in name only, and half agnostic by default. After graduating from high school, he spent four years in the Navy, where he further solidified his agnostic leanings. After leaving the Navy four years later and returning home, Marvin found a job working in a Los Angeles manufacturing company, and it was there one day that he looked out an upstairs window and saw a beautiful young woman just below walking into the building. The young woman's name was Gladys Smith, and she just happened to be a very strong Christian woman. And within a year, the two were married. And there came the third swing of the hammer. It took a while, but my dear dad would one day give his whole heart to the Lord Jesus, and the heavy chains would finally be broken. And I just have to tell you this about my dear and loving grandma, Hazel. She was the best. One special day, about a week before she died of cancer, she genuinely gave her whole heart to Jesus. My dear mom, Gladys, made sure that happened. And Grandma Hazel's chain had finally been broken. The chain breaker did it. As Hal and I finally passed over the southern border of Utah and into the state of Nevada on our second day together in that fall of 76, I turned off my nostalgic thoughts and I turned the car radio on. And when I did, I could hardly believe what, I, what we were hearing. The very first thing we heard playing on the radio was the beginning of a very familiar song. I had no idea that this song was played every day at the same time on the AM band across the United States. Well, except for places like Montana, where we had very limited radio services. I had no idea that Chuck Smith, the well-known pastor of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, California, 
and the leader of the Amazing Jesus People movement, that he had a daily devotional program. And the song that introduced his program every day was, David, Hal shouted, that's your song. What? The very first thing we heard on the radio that day was a song that I wrote. The song playing on the radio was in moments like these. And we sang. In moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a song unto Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my hands. I lift up my hands to the Lord, singing, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you. What joy I felt as we continued down the highway. I felt like in those moments, like shouting over the reality that a false destiny had been broken and a true God-given destiny had taken its place. And dear friend, it's only by His hand that one can break the chains of all bondage. And in order for that to happen, one must humble themselves and call out to Him and he will break the chains. I love what King David said. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness in the shadow of death, and he broke their chains in pieces. Psalm 107, 13 and 14. You know, when Jesus was on earth, he broke through the darkness, he broke the chains. Jesus was the mighty chainbreaker. He is still the mighty chainbreaker today. Dear friend, let us call out to him right now. Dear Lord Jesus, we do love you, Lord. We love you, Lord, for breaking chains in our lives and in lives all over the earth. And we know you're not done. There are so many still in bondage. Our entire social, economic, and, and political culture is in heavy chains, and you have the power to break them all. We stand right now as intercessors on behalf of all who are still in bondage, and we lift up our unchained hands to praise you for the powerful things you will be doing. Oh, mighty chain breaker, let it be. Thank you for listening to another episode of In Moments Like These with David Graham. And we hope that this podcast and this episode can be another tool and resource to help you in this walk of faith. If this podcast has made a difference in your life, we would love to hear from you. Visit us online at inmomentslikethese.com. That's inmomentslikethese.com.